0: Hi guys, welcome to another free anesthetic tutorial, the FRCA podcast. My name is Jade and today I'm gonna to be speaking about the topic of receptors. So this is quite a common topic and it can come up either in a pharmacology viva or a physiology viva. So we'll just do a brief overview um, with going through some definitions as well as a subclassification for receptors that you could find useful. So a receptor can be defined loosely as a molecule that recognizes a second smaller molecule whose binding brings about the regulation of a cellular process. So receptors are molecules that can be found on the surface of cells, and they receive specific chemical signals from the environment via ligands. So ligands can be peptides, neurotransmitters, hormones, drugs, or toxins, and they bind to specific receptors and results in a cellular response. Once a ligand has bound to a receptor, it induces or halts an activity within the cell. So, moving on to the subclassification of receptors, they can be divided into four main classes that being ligand gated ion channels, tyrosine kinase coupled, intracellular steroid, and G protein coupled receptors. So, we're going to speak a little bit about each of those, and we start off with G protein coupled receptors. So these are receptors that have got seven transmembrane domains. They only occur in eukaryotes, and they are enzyme-linked receptors. They have their effect on guanosine triphosphate, so GTP proteins, and the two main signal transduction pro- pathways for G-protein-coupled receptors are cyclic AMP, so CAMP, and the second is phosphatidylinositol. And some examples of these receptors are muscarinic acetylcholine receptors, adrenal receptors, and histamine receptors. So G protein coupled receptors can be subclassified again um, into various different types. The most common ones that we come across are the GI, GS and the GQ, G proteins. So the GI, the I stands for inhibitory and these function and have a second messenger Known as adenyl cyclase, and the G- in GI proteins, these decrease the cyclic AMP and then decrease your calcium, and potentially could also increase your potassium influx into a cell. Hence the inhibitory effect. Then GS, the S is can be remembered by stimulant, um, and these also function on adenyl cyclase. However, they function to increase your cyclic AMP. Lastly, the GQ G protein receptors um, work on phospholipase C, and these then increase your IP3 and DAG. So moving on to the activation of a G protein coupled receptor. So as I said, there are the seven transmembrane domains, and these are then this is then connected on the intracellular surface to um, a, a alpha beta, and gamma subunit. So once a ligand binds on the extracellular surface, this causes a a conformational change, which allows the GDP to be exchanged for GTP, and this happens on the G alpha subunit. This causes dissociation of the subunits into two separate parts. So a G alpha and GTP complex, and then a G beta gamma complex. This G-beta-gamma complex acts on effector organs or directly on ion channels and hence will modulate the cellular processes. The GTPAs, once it is exerted at effects, will then exchange the GTP back to GTP on the G-alpha subunit and hence will deactivate it and it will return it to its resting state. Then moving on to tyrosine kinase receptors, so tyrosine kinase receptors are the receptors for many polypeptides, which, including, which includes hormones and growth factors. And some of the examples of a tyrosine kinase its receptor are insulin and erythropoietin. So these um, receptors have got two parts to it. So it's got an extracellular N terminal, and that contains the ligand binding site. And then the second part is an intracellular C terminal, which is responsible for the kinase activities. Kinase enzymes are responsible for phosphorylation. And thus once a receptor um, binds to a ligand, there is phosphorylation of tyrosine residues, which then leads to the activation of a signal transduction pathway, and hence will then alter the cellular activity. Then moving on to um, ligand-gated um, ligand, um, ion channels, which can also be known as ionotropic receptors. So they, as I've said, they are um, ionotropic receptors, which are ligand-gated ion channels, and they open and close in response to a ligand binding. The binding site is usually located on a different part of the protein to the ion channel itself, and hence this is known as allosteric binding. And they are usually selective to one or more ions. Some examples of this can be the NMDA glutamate receptor, GABA receptors, or one that we commonly speak about um, on the neuromuscular end plate would be a nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. Then, lastly, we're going to speak about the intracellular receptors that are located within the cell. So these are inter, generally intracellular steroid receptors and the ligand that binds them are either second messengers or lipophilic hormones. And this is because the, as these receptors are intracellular, the ligand or the second messenger would have been required to have crossed the cellular membrane. Um, examples include nuclear receptors that bind the sex and thyroid hormones, vitamin D receptors, and the IP3 receptor, which is found on endoplastic reticulum reticulum. So I hope this has been helpful. As I said, it's quite a broad overview of receptors, um, but hopefully we'll be able to get you through any questions that could come up. Um, And I hope you've enjoyed. Thanks for listening.